Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back to the Pilots Pandemic, guys. You're here with me, your host, Emma. And your co-host, Maddie. And we have a very special guest with us today. Hi, I'm Tia. (laughs) So... Maddie, why don't you let us in on how your friendship came to be and why we are having Tia on the pod today. So Tia, well, you just said you stalked me. Now I know kind of how we, I stumbled across your Instagram page. Because I heard you on another <laughs> podcast and I was like, oh, who is this? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's so awesome. I heard you on a podcast that I was listening to before this and I'm like, the fit aviatrix, how dare she steal my at name because I wanted to do that and <laughs> so I was like I have to find out who this girl is now and I went to your pot or I went to your Instagram and just started like watching your videos and I was like oh this girl is quirky I love it and then I started following you and then I think yep. just after that because I like react to so much of your stuff you're like okay now who is this weirdo <laughs> I that's exactly how it is if pe- so the way into my heart is start reacting to my stuff a lot and then I'm like okay now I need to see who this person is and I just got that like super chill vibe from you and honestly it was the way that you like interacted with your kids because I'm child free I'm not gonna have kids but I love moms who are like super real about their children and that's what I loved about you you're making all these reels with your kids and I was like oh my gosh she's so funny um so that's kind of how me and Tia came to be friends but we still haven't met in real life um not yet yeah not yet it's it's gonna come um but that leads me into my question of just letting our audience kind of know your story in aviation and how you were inspired to become a pilot so I started back in 2017 Um, I didn't go to college because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And at the time, my father actually owned a a car lot where we live now and he was selling it. And so his friend who works for SkyWest wanted him to be a pilot with him and go do repos. He wanted to repo planes. And at the time, my dad was just like, I have way too much going on, but you know who would be perfect for this? My daughter. So one day we were just like kind of all hanging out and talking and they just approached me with it. And his friend Tom was like, hey, do you want to go learn how to fly planes? <laughs> it just like took me back because I don't have any aviation experience whatsoever. So for those out there that are like, I don't know anything about aviation. Neither did I. I didn't know a single thing. Um, so yeah, so we went down and we toured with ATP and they showed us around and I sat in the plane 
And I'm a pretty big adrenaline junkie. And I've jumped out of planes before. So I'm like, yeah, this is going to be so cool. Like, I'm so down for this. So we put my first down payment um, for the first for the private pilot. And I just kind of went for it. And I'm not gonna lie, the very first week, I was like, yeah, no, we're not doing this. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, this is the most terrifying thing I have ever done. And I just remember, because you have, like I said, I had zero aviation knowledge. So for all I knew, every time my instructor pulled the throttle back, I was like, we are going to fall out of the sky right now. And I just remember that third lesson, like learning about like stalls and all of that. And when he would stall me, I think I had at least four or five heart attacks through my training <laughs> career because I was like, I'm going to die today. This is the day. Yeah. But yeah. So luckily I just paid for that outright or I don't think that this would have been a career for me. <laughs> I love that your, your dad is kind of the one who pushed you into aviation. I feel like for a lot of us, it's our fathers who have like that um, inspiration for us to go and do things either not even they don't even have to be an aviator but just them believing in us when we're younger really helps us you know jump out of that fear and out of that box and um, the other thing that I wanted you to touch on because before this we always have a little conversation before our podcast but we were talking about how you got pregnant on your journey to your PPL so can you tell us about that yeah so Well, the reason why I think my dad jumped on me so hard then was because, like, the whole dream for our family was I was going to be that first person to go to college. And they just rode me really hard when I was younger to go. But I didn't have anything specific I wanted to do. I was like, I'm not going to go pay all this money in college and have no idea what I want to do and just waste it. And so that was kind of when that first thing came for my dad because he's like all right I'm selling this business this is the last time I'm going to be able to help you do something for your future and he's always hit on like I'm not going to be around forever because it's always just been me and my dad and he's like Mm -hmm. I need you to have a future set up like I need to know that you're going to be okay without me and so yeah he did he helped me um get through the flight school And then, so I started in April of 2017 and in July, I found out that I was almost three and a half months pregnant. So it was like literally consecutive timing. Yeah. So I didn't tell anybody because I was terrified. I was like, they're not going to let me fly pregnant. Um, So I didn't tell anybody, which actually worked out in my favor because I didn't start showing until I was almost eight months pregnant, Wow! which (laughs) by then was winter. So I kind of just threw on those big jackets and not Mm -hmm. a lot of people knew until like the very end of training. And like when I did my private pilot check ride, I told him about it and he was like, I'm sorry, you're how far along? (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) so I told him about it and then like each DP along the way, I kind of filled them in, but yeah. So I did my whole training pregnant. Um, and I did my whole training in nine months through ATP from private pilot to CFI. And then I actually did my CFI ride with my absolute favorite DPE, Claire Schaefer. Um, 
I did it pregnant. I was 41 weeks pregnant with him when I did my check ride. Holy crap. You're about to (laughs) stop. Yeah. So I did my check ride on a Friday and I popped my son out Sunday night. Wow. Oh, oh my my God. I have a lot of, (laughs) I have so much admiration for you. Holy crap, dude. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a wild ride, but the pregnancy luckily was really good. So I really didn't struggle a whole lot with that part. Um, I would say where it started to hit me was instrument just because of like all the changes I was going through and then instrument is hard as it is. So instruments kind of where I slowed down a little bit, but then once I passed instrument, I just started flying through everything else. And then had my son and then they made me take 30 days off so um I took that break and then I went back and did the rest of my CFI with my same DPE and finished that out wow yeah so do you feel like like when you were doing that like going through your flight instruction and Honestly, the fact that nobody could tell that you were pregnant kind of points out that there's not a lot of women um, in aviation (laughs) because it's like, how did you not know? Um, So, like, what would you tell women who kind of have that, like, dichotomy where they, like, want to be a mom, but they also want to be in aviation, but they feel like those two don't pair together? What would you tell them? Do it. Go for it. Like, you can absolutely be a mom and a pilot. Um where I got the most nervous was, like I said, flying while pregnant. I was scared they're going to be like, nope, you can't fly while pregnant. And just so everybody knows, um, I didn't know this personally, but the only reason why they tell you after 35 weeks that you can't fly, it actually has nothing to do with the baby. Um, because I did have to get a doctor's note to finish out my CFI that did state I could fly and I'd be okay just for ATPs like... I don't know. I don't even know if it's an insurance yeah. purpose or what, you know, but I did have to bring it's them probably home. liability. Yeah. Yeah. It, the liability behind it, but it's actually has nothing to do with harming the baby. It's because after 35 weeks at any time you could have the baby and they don't want to create an in-flight emergency. So for women out there that don't think that you can fly while pregnant or it's going to hurt them. I flew with both my babies and nothing like if anything, it created kind of a bad thing for me where now they're so used to movement and sound and all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's about it. But they're like, they're they're like to, where's yeah. the vibration, the humming? But outside <laughs> yeah. of that, don't have a fear of flying or like being pregnant while flying. Um, but yeah, so there was that. I was scared that they weren't going to let me finish flying if they found out I was pregnant and then I was just like well I'm not sure what that would do to affect like anything else like I was like just I just didn't want to tell anybody I was like I'm just gonna try to get through this the best that I can and luckily it worked out that way yeah but definitely go for it like you can be a mom and you can be a pilot and I would say that my second fear behind that was When you start school, obviously everybody's thing is like airlines, airlines, airlines. And that's what kind of deterred me and scared me was like, how do I be a mom now with like this brand new newborn and then go be an airline pilot and always be away? Um, So once I started 
looking into other avenues and realizing that once you start, you don't have to sign your life away to an airline. I think that's where I started to calm down. And that's where I just really started to slow down and became someone that wasn't in this huge race to get to an airline. And I mean, everybody I started with and even people that I started with at the university I work with as a CFI. I mean, they're all gone. They're all off and they're to the airlines and they're like, what are you going to do? Like, when are you going to get here? And it's like, I never had any um, desire. Yeah. Thank you. Like, I didn't really have a huge desire to go to the airlines. So that's another thing, girls, is like, you don't have to go straight to the airlines and then be in a way mom. There are so many avenues in aviation. Find the right one for you. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, how have you found that balance between, you know, flying and your kids? And do you feel like it was easy for you to find that rhythm or do you feel like it was more difficult? It was really difficult for me. So I would say the first setback that I had was when you finish CFI school through ATP. They send you off to a standardization training where you go and you show them that you know how to be a CFI. So I had been out of flying because obviously through CFI, you don't fly a whole lot. And then between the check rides, it's months. And then I had to take a month off. And then they send you to a whole different state to go do it. So it had been a minute for me. Um, and when I got out there, they actually treated me like garbage. They were so rude to me. And it really belittled me. It destroyed my confidence in being a pilot. So when I got back, that actually really, really hurt me for my career where I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm just meant to be a mom then. I don't know. So I actually took six months off. I did not go back um, to ATP. And I was like, well, nobody else is going to hire me because I didn't go through like a university. So I don't get you know, an automatic job as a CFI. So I was just like, this is it. I guess this is where my aviation career ends. So it really, I mean, it put me through a really dark time. And I'm so lucky that I made a really, really good friend in my CFI DPE. He actually just reached out to me one day and he's like, hey, where are you? I haven't seen you around. You're not teaching anywhere. What's going on? And I had actually called him when I was at the standardization training bawling. I was like, Claire, they said, I'm a dangerous pilot. Like, are you sure I deserve this? I mean, I'm just bawling. And he's an amazing, amazing guy. And he just told me, he's like, is that where you want to be then? Like, is that where you want to go back and teach, you know, for people that don't see your value? Or do you want to take your value somewhere else? And I was just like, okay. So that's what I did. I went home, I regrouped, and then... When he had called me back a couple months later, he's actually the one that reached out to some people and he reached out to a chief at USU and got me an interview with them. And I went up there and I talked to him and it was just, it was such a great fit for me. Like I really just liked him. And so that's how I became a CFI up there. And then that took me a little bit though. It did because, you know, my confidence was shot. I'm a brand new pilot teaching brand new pilots. So I was definitely very scared. Um, And then three months into that, I got pregnant with my daughter. So then that one was a whole new 
learning (laughs) curve and emotional ride. So then I had her and I got into a pretty good groove. I had a couple students and I was flying a lot and doing really good. And then once I had her, I took a little bit of time off and I was like, you know what? I just don't know. I just felt like I just kept having all these bumps, you know, like Mm -hmm. maybe this just isn't for me. And so I took some time off and I told my boss about it. I was like, I think I'm going to just take some time to think about this. I don't know that I want to come back. And three months later, he called me up and he's like, no, you're going to come back. Like, I need you to come back up here. You know, you're a good pilot. You're a good CFI. He's like, I don't want you to, you know, throw this opportunity away. And so I sat down that night, I talked to my husband about it and I was like, all right, we're going to figure out a way to make this work, you know, because I got this newborn now and a one and a half year old. And so I did, I just went back and I just kind of full throttled it though. I was like, you know what, if I'm not giving my all to this and being the best freaking CFI that I can be, I'm not going to do it. So I did, I just full throttled that shit (laughs) and (laughs) just gave it my all and then COVID. Yeah. And then COVID. So it's like one thing after the other, but you know what? I, I really keep trucking. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to touch on, you know, we talked, like we said, you know, we have that conversation before we record and we touched a little bit on, you know, your CFI days and how you weren't really, which this one thing I'm very hesitant on, I do not want to be a CFI. And I think you had said, you had a little bit of um, hesitance about being mm-hmm. a flight instructor and that that hour requirement and how it doesn't really feel like enough hours to be in charge. Um, but I mean, talk about that experience a little bit for anyone who's out there like myself, who kind of has that feeling like, man, like, I, I would like to be a CFI, but there's this part of me that's holding back because of these fears. Yeah. So I just think because you're going through training first, right? All of our hours are us flying the plane and then you get what? Six flights in CFI where you're teaching other people. I mean, I know a university is different. I mean, a university, they definitely get a lot more training. So I think they're definitely more well equipped to transition from student to teacher but when you go through the flight schools you know like part 61 you don't really get that fill you really don't it's more so they're just training you to pass that CFI check right they're not training you to train other people and most of those hours like I said are still you learning the plane and flying the plane and then all of a sudden you get into the real world and it's like okay now you have to take what little knowledge you do have And you have to fill in your own holes by becoming a teacher now. Um, And it is scary because you're a brand new pilot and there's a lot of things that you don't know. I mean, even now, I still don't know everything. I'm still always referring back to, you know, my handbooks. I'm referring back to my far aim all the time. So it never gets to a point where you just know everything. So even with that fear, um, I think... I feel like it gets easier and you get better at it by just kind of going along day by day. Like, okay, I know what I'm doing. How do I transfer this to somebody else? And that's kind of what I did. I was just like, okay, I know how to fly. How do I teach someone else to fly? And what you don't know, you just kind of go over maybe the night before in your own lessons or, 
um, you know, while you're on the ground and then you try to obviously transfer that to them, but that's all you're doing is you're just trying to give your knowledge to someone else the best way that you can. And the best way that I did it personally for myself was how do I be the instructor I never had? And that's what I wanted. I was like, I want to be the instructor I didn't have. And that's just kind of how I went about everything. And that fear doesn't go away completely, but it really just gets easier. And then you get in your own little flows and your own little grooves and you just get better at it because at the end of the day, you're, you're practicing every single day as a teacher, you're still practicing. So it's not like your skills just diminish or your knowledge goes away. Now you're just filling in holes and gaps and you're teaching all of that to another person. But I definitely did. I had a lot of reservations when it came to being an instructor because of that, because that low time instructing other people, I was like, okay, well, where do I start? Like, this is lesson one. What do I even teach them right now? You know, but Mm -hmm. it's really cool because I think that's why it made it easier for me being at a university because the 141 program, it's all laid out for you. Like, every single flight tells you like, what do you go over? What are you going to hit on? What are you going to practice? And that for me made it easier because I'm so organized. I'm a very organized person. I like to have a plan. I like to know what I'm doing. Um, And there's a lot of 61 schools that will do that too. They'll make lesson plans. And obviously we make lesson plans in our CFI school, but they don't always convert that exact same way. And so I think that's where my nerves came from the most was like, am I going to know what to do? Like what lesson do I teach what? And like, when do I introduce this? And when do I introduce that? So, Mm -hmm. but once you just get into it, you, like I said, you just get a good flow and then you're like, Oh, okay. Like a lot of the stuff that maybe you did learn, maybe it was over knowledge, you know what I mean? And it's like, you can, you can kind of dumb it down. You can basic it out for these people and they will do amazing. Yeah. I feel like there's so much stuff that I learned in my private pilot that was like, so mandatory for me to know and then the minute I got into IFR it's all this useless knowledge that I had to have and looking back I'm like well if I were to like teach someone something I'd really want to make sure that the things that actually do matter like the things because I feel like there's stuff that really really mattered that nobody ever told me um Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. know and like you said about 141 versus 161 I see that a lot with me and my brother because I'm a 161 student. He's a 141 student. And it's been like, there's been positives and negatives to both end. But like you said, all schools are kind of different and set up differently. Um, But you talked about your experience a little bit um, with men, but have you ever had like issues being treated differently because you're a female or have you ever had like problem students? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I actually had the first go around before I had my daughter, I actually had a female student and her and I did not vibe at all. Like, she <laughs> why was, is that Tia? Like, which is weird, right? But yeah, I take flying that plane very, very seriously. So to me, when I get a student that kind of like, comes in and they're lackadaisical and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to get this and yada, yada. And they don't put any effort and they don't go over their stuff and they're not applying themselves. I don't, I don't take that lightly because at the end of the day, I don't trust any airplane at all. Like 
you know, yeah. I have great, great maintenance at the place I work and I trust them, but I don't trust the plane. I mean, there's things that can happen that are just out of our control. Yeah. So I'm, I do take it very, very seriously, not just because of me, but because of them, like they are a human being and they have a family too. And I don't want anything to ever go wrong because of me or because of them. And so that's kind of what that situation was where it was like very lackadaisical. Um, yeah, we didn't vibe at all. And I'm kind of a hard instructor. I really am. Like I push my students to an application point, not just a, I don't want you to just memorize this so you can pass your check, right? I'm not that kind of instructor. And there's a lot of people that are that way, especially when you have just straight time builders, like people that are just trying to build time as fast as possible. They want the best yeah. check ride pass rate and they don't want you to fail because it hurts them. So they just want you to know all this stuff for no reason. And I'm not that way. I, from day one, I teach my students application. I make them understand like, why do we do this? Why is this important? How does this affect this? And I really make them think. And when they're not prepared, I'm like, all right, Let's ground the plane. We'll go down. We'll talk about it. And there's a lot of students that don't like that. Like they don't want to be wrong or they don't want to be called out. And so she just thought like I was really mean. And so she just asked for a different instructor. She's like, I think I need to be with a guy instructor. I'm like, that's totally cool. Like, I really am okay with that. You do have to be with someone that you can work with. So I was like, okay, like that's totally cool. And um, so she went with someone else. And then I had a guy once actually that, was just terrified of me. He just was. He was like, you are so terrifying. <laughs> and he actually switched instructors too. And so I'm like, that's cool. But I have, like, I've had quite a few where I've butt heads with. I have one student in particular that he and I got into some pretty big arguments, actually. Like, we butt heads. And, but he, like, I saw his potential, though, and that's what bugged me is because... Yeah. He kind of was entitled at first, and I really just brought him into, like, a humbling attitude, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where, yeah. you know, we we just had a flight, and he wasn't making good ADM and aeronautical decision-making. Yeah. And we were right in the middle of a storm, and he was just trying to get this flight finished so badly. And I'm like, all right, my controls, like, you're done. You're not in a good headspace right now. And we're not in a good environment. Like we need to get down and be safe. And so that actually is what caused us to get in a big blow up fight later on. And I just kind of sat him down and I was like, look, you know, I see the potential in you and I have fought really, really hard for you because I did too. Like I had put my certificate on the line and my job on the line for him multiple times. And he mm -hmm. knew that. And so I had to kind of bring him down like, I can't have you making bad decisions now because you'll make bad decisions later. So I need you to go home, think about it over the weekend. And if you want a different instructor, that's cool. But if you want to come back, I need you to be the pilot that you are because you're a good freaking pilot. But I need you to make those decisions like a good freaking pilot. Yeah. So he actually did. He came back. He's like, all right, I'm going to stick this out with you. And we finished up his course. And then I got him through single engine and he's in CFI now. And he still is like, now that I just got checked out to be a CFI initial, he actually just messaged me and was like, hey, can we go fly again? And <laughs> when he passed and did all his check rides, he actually sent me like a really long message and was just like, you know what? Thank you so much because I really needed that. Like I really needed someone to kind of come down on me and That's also needed me at the same time. So 
I mean that um that reminds me of like just because I used to play collegiate basketball so um I've been playing basketball since I was in second grade but you remind me of my basketball coaches like you know when you know someone has the skill but they kind of like dick around because I used to do that I I was like I want to have fun and also be good and you kind of can't do that all the time there's a time to be serious and there's a time to have fun and so I remember my coaches just always hammering that home for me like Maddie we know you have a lot of skill but you need to like be more serious Mm -hmm. Um, and that was hard hard for me to hear honestly Um, but also the point is is like not everyone is gonna match up with you as a CFI I think that's another thing to point out like you are not always going to get along with your students not every student is going to be a perfect student sometimes you do have to dole out that tough love and I think as a woman that can be a little bit harder to tell a man and that power dynamic and that exchange can be difficult especially for the male that is not the superior Um, so I really commend you for actually being like really harsh and like I am a tough love type of person anyways. I respond really well to that, but I know that it could be difficult to give out to people and to actually just straight up tell them how it is. Um, so that's, I really commend you for that, Tia. That's awesome. Um, it's interesting. Then, sorry, Maddie, oh, ahead, I just Emma. had this thought, but it's interesting what you were saying um, about how you teach because every female flight instructor I've ever had have always been the most detailed orientated safest CFIs I've ever had you know they might not be the ones that I'm gonna you know like have a great conversation with or um have a have a blast with but they've always been the ones that will give me like the harshest critique and I think a lot of it too on that that female to female thing is I saw a like female flight instructors almost you know, really wanting the best for me because they saw, you know, that's another female. I want to like help this other person and bring this other person up. But I think sometimes it can be um, viewed and perceived a little bit differently depending on how someone's personality is and how they receive those ki- those kinds of um, that kind of feedback. But all all my all the females that I've ever flown with, they have literally been the most detail orientated people. Um, I I think we have like like a high safe a sense of safety. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you have to realize too is with that though, with the criticism, it has to be constructive as much as it is deconstructive. You know what I mean? So it's not like I'm someone that just like sits and beats them down. No, I hit on their good points while I'm kind of like highlighting what they're doing wrong, you know? So that's what I did yeah. with him too, especially. It was like, dude, you are not a bad pilot because you made a bad decision today. You're a freaking great pilot. And that's why today doesn't make sense for you. And you shouldn't make these kind of decisions. So it's super important to know how to have that balance though, too, where you do have to make sure that you're not just coming down on them and belittling them. Because that's like what happened to me where with my negative experience through the standardization, they were just awful to me. And one kid genuinely told me, he's like, you're going to kill someone one day. Like those were his words to me. So what do you think that does to somebody? You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I call it a shit sandwich. So you do me and my husband call it this because when we're having conversations with each other, we have something negative. We want to say we're like, well, we got to sandwich it with two positive things. So you start with a positive, feed them the negative. 
end with yeah. a positive and it's exactly. a nice packaged shit sandwich <laughs> i <laughs> love that much. and that's kind of what you have to do like and yeah it is it is hard because when you do see another girl you're like yes and you want them to succeed so bad but at the end of the day if you guys do not mesh and you're clashing and they're not getting the productive side or a positive transfer of learning you're just hindering them so when she's like yeah I think it'll just be best for me to get a new instructor I'm not going to sit there and fight that because I want the best for her and I want her to succeed and do really well and she has so I'm like that's all I care about because I don't want another female to leave this this industry whatsoever I want there to be more females in this industry so we're not so like like a minority and we're yeah. not so singled out when we come through the program and people treat us the way that they do, because most of the time, if we do get, you know, not great feedback, it does kind of hinder us. And there's a lot of people that won't make it through. And I'm just not that person. I'm like, whatever will make you succeed. That is what I want for you. But that's just the kind of instructor that I am too. Even with my students, I am really hard on them. But at the end of the day, they walk out of that check ride, and I've had a lot of examiners commend me that I don't teach them memorization. Like they genuinely understand things and they understand application. And they're like, just keep going the way that you teach because we need more of that. Not an examiner sitting in a room for four hours because the students are just, you know, regurgitating crap that they have memorized off of, you know, CFI notebook. Cafe. Yeah, Pilot's <laughs> yeah. Cafe. And they can't explain it, though, you know, like you get one question, yeah. they'll answer it. And then they're like, OK, tell me more. And they just kind of sit there. I don't do that. Like from day one, like I said, I really teach like why, 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 why? I want you to understand why we do this. Why is this important? Why do you have to stay on this heading for recovery? Why do you have to put this down? Like, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. And that's super important, too. And I, I love that you do that because it's not just about like checking it off the list but it is about application and you really pushing them to be like the best aviator that they can be um so good on you Tia um so well and it's it's, I just want to hit on something real quick and it's not just like what bothers me the most is when instructors get so upset that someone fails a check ride it's like I don't get upset at all. I'm like, okay, I get another chance to make sure that you are safe and that you know your stuff before you go out there in the real world. Because when I send my students to a check ride, my very first thought before I sign off all their logbook and I'm like, all right, IAPRA is done and ready. I think to myself, can I put my children in the back of this airplane with you and know that if you take off and like, go somewhere else you're going to come back and you're going to be a safe pilot like that's what runs through my mind for all my students and not even just my family but like when I send them on a solo I'm like do I know that you are safe enough to come like go off on your own and come back and be okay because you have a family too and those are the things that I think about so it's not just about passing a freaking check ride it's about teaching these people how to use all this knowledge and be a good pilot that one day, you know, way down the road, are they going to be a safe pilot way later on when they have hundreds of people that they are transporting? You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's actually, it's like, it's like about applying, like applying that skill, like actually using it, actually applying it. Yeah. 
So that kind of leads me into the final question I have for you is um, I know that one of the big things that I've been following you on Instagram is like the passing of your friend Parker in a plane crash. And I know that he's like been a big inspiration in your life. So I kind of wanted you to kind of tell us about him and his story um, and how the loss of him in a plane crash has affected you. Oh, yeah. Um, so I met Parker at USU. He, <laughs> it's actually funny. He and I have very different, like, memories of us first meeting. So <laughs> I first remember meeting him. He came up to me in our dispatch and was like, hey, do you have a second? And that's kind of like a CFI's, like, worst question. Because it's like, what do you want? Um, but he came up to me and he's like, I just need like 0.8 for this flight to be done. And I would really just like to get it done. And I had time. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll go up in a plane with you. So. Hey guys, um, that is going to be it for this week's episode, but stay tuned next week. We are going to do part two of Tia's episode. Um, we decided not to do one big episode because we did end up speaking to Tia for a while and her experience in aviation is extremely unique and both parts of her story are equally important and we really want to be able to give her the platform to share both sides of her story. So I hope you guys enjoyed this week. Um, incredible news, you all. We have passed 8,000 signatures on the petition, which means that Maddie got even more than her 7,500 for her birthday. So we are so stoked about that. And hopefully big progress and change is going to be coming soon. As always, don't forget to keep signing, keep subscribing, keep rating and liking the podcast, as well as using our congressional letter to send to your local and state elected representatives. So that's it for this week's vote. I'm not about to re-record this after just pre- <laughs> That's it for this week's episode, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed. And again, please stay tuned for next week, which will be part two of Tia's episode.